read it won't be longer to be blessed by your word and to be healed by your word thank you lord that you have already received the penalty and price for our sins and for our healing and our deliverance and so all we have to do is believe what we hear and accept it and embrace it and walk in it so we thank you lord for your holy word that heals us and sets us free in Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen, amen. So we're going to talk some about the fact that God calls us good, and we are. Amen. He calls us good, and we are. Did you know that you are what God calls you? Everything else that's called you is a false prophecy. Amen. It's a false prophecy. It's a lie. And it has no, no strength to it, no, substitute, uh, no substance to it. It only has the power to deceive and hinder if we accept that. Amen. Our sins are forgiven. Everybody's sins are forgiven. That door is open to us if we will accept it. Amen. Uh, There's no sense in saying everybody's saved because everybody's not saved. You have to accept salvation. You have to accept everything. If, If you own something, you can't prove you own it until you possess it. And that's for all you brothers always, well, do I go, I digress. All you brothers always promising, baby, we, I got, you know, come on by, come on with me, baby, baby, and I got this, and I got, y'all ain't got nothing. You looking for somebody with something. So we know how that goes, like that. So we don't believe you got nothing until we see it. Is that right, ladies? And you men, all these women telling you they can cook and they can do this and they can do that, all that good. You've got to see some, get some food up that, that, that ain't burnt. And then we'll talk a little bit more. You understand what I'm saying? But you don't have anything really until you possess it. And the way that we possess spiritual things is by faith. Huh? Faith is not a natural substance. It is a supernatural substance. So it cannot be seen. But it's real. Amen. The Bible refers to it as a substance of faith. So anything that has substance has some type of reality to it. With faith, there is a knowing and there is a peace. So when you have faith, it's like when you you tell your children, if we're going to go uh, to, uh, you know, to Cedar Point on Saturday. Well, don't say Cedar Point because that's big money, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Take the mall and go to one that's open. Don't go no closed mall and say, oh, we can't go in there. It's closed. I never know what I'm talking about. But your children accept that and they don't see any evidence of going anywhere. But they are glad to live in anticipation and excitement of when Saturday comes or whenever the date is that they will. Amen. But see, faith in God is even better than that because faith is now. So you have a now reality in your spirit of the substance of faith. So faith is substantial. It's not a wish. It's not a guess. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. And this is why we continue to preach the word of God. Right now, faith is coming to you if you'll receive it. See, many times we'll sit in an atmosphere where the word is coming forth 
and we let doubt hit every is like a tennis match you know we hit something out there to you and doubt comes to your mind and you want to bat it back well let it stay over on your side of the court amen when it's extended to you just like that faith and that word will will if it has to wrestle with your mind and with your unbelief let it wrestle until it settles in see when that word settles in it'll do miracles for you but it can't do anything if we're continually resisting it with our unbelief many times we don't want to believe certain things because we don't want to be disappointed well god's word will never disappoint you if it's believed amen you got to step out in a little bit you got to offer something like your confidence in the word or your confidence in god your confidence in his ability and his desire to bless you god wants to bless people he created man to live a blessed life amen so in genesis 1 if you'll go there we'll just take a a little back trip to show you in genesis 1:31, god created on for six days he created the, the earth and everything in it i know there are some people who think they're real smart and evolutionists and all these people and they'll tell you billions and hundreds and trillions and all that kind of stuff but you know really god it don't take him long to do nothing it don't take him billions of years i mean he speaks and it is so you see what i'm saying see if you try to put god in man's shoes you'll always wind up with the wrong answer but when you put god in the bible then you come up with the right answer so in the bible it says in genesis 1:31, god saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and the evening and the morning were the sixth day and so god placed the man and the woman in the garden it was his intent to create male and female from the beginning there's no confusion in god about who we are amen so you can't feel like a girl one day and go put on girl clothes and then feel like a boy one day and put on boy clothes you're either one or the other from the beginning god created you it's the devil that comes in and puts in confusion you understand what i'm saying you know everybody tries out being the opposite sex you know i mean if you know if you don't watch little boys they'll try to put on their sister's clothes and you tell them put that down that's your sister you're a boy you ain't and that takes care of it don't you think so it took care of it for me took care of it for you take care of it for everybody now we got people going around talking i wonder if my child is trans your child ain't trans nothing screw these kids heads up and the doctors will accommodate you and cut up on them and mutilate them and all this kind of stuff see if they do that other other in a third world nation we'd be raising money to try to rescue people but we do it over here and don't think anything of it call it enlightenment but god calls us good anyway huh if they understood who they really were they wouldn't do such nonsense and yeah i said it's nonsense go tell somebody (laughs) praise the lord so in everything was going well in the garden in genesis chapter 3 we see the enemy the serpent 
coming in, Satan coming in the form of a serpent, deceiving the woman into thinking that she could disobey God. See, it's amazing sometimes we change our ideas about things. There are Christians now who are supporting choice. Amen. I mean, and they're supporting homosexual marriage, marrying two people of the same sex in a Christian church that the blood of Jesus paid for. Now, I wouldn't want to be that person. Huh? Go against God's word. I don't care what age we live in. You know, sin is the same. I don't care. It's just sin. It's been sin since it ever came into the world, and it's always going to be sin. It's a, it don't get cute depending upon the age you live in. Or acceptable. Or, oh, you people are old-fashioned. Yeah, and going to heaven. But I know where you're going to go if you don't straighten up. Nonsense. Huh? Choice, you choose a ring and, 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 and get married. That's your choice. And keep them babies. This is just nonsense. Now, Washington, D.C., they aborted more babies than, than live births in 2015. That's an abomination. It's an abomination. And it's nobody's fault but the people who get deceived into thinking that choice is okay. You got me? Some choices are not okay. You look in the Bible, you see a lot of choices not okay. The choice for, for Adam and Eve... To eat of that forbidden tree was not an okay choice. And it plunged humanity into sin for many, many generations. We're trying to fight our way out of it every day. Every day you're tempted not to obey God. Every day you're tempted not to do the right thing. Every day. And so choice, because it's, it's available to us, God tells us in the Bible what choice to make. He says, choose life. He said, I give you the choice, but I want you to choose life so that you and your children and grandchildren can live. You know, I don't want, I don't want my nieces and nephews and, and little ones, you know, grandnieces and nephews going in a bathroom where a man is in there half naked and they got to step over him and go to the bathroom. So this is nonsense. 100% nonsense. We need to say something. I, you know, Christians, our, our problem is we don't say enough at the right time. Huh? Tell these people, you ain't doing that to my kids. I'm real sorry. You ain't having mine, devil. Same thing Eve should have said to him. But see how easy it is to get deceived. See, we think if we say something against something that we think everybody else wants. <laughs> It'll get you persecuted, but God will take care of you. Amen. I'd rather have him on my side than all the world for me. You understand what I'm saying? So in chapter 3 of Genesis, we see the, the man and the woman disobey. The woman was deceived, the Bible says, and the man entered into the transgression with her. Amen. He made the choice to keep his vow of marriage to the woman. See, I hear preachers say so, especially men preachers. I just sit up there and grin at them. Well, Adam should have told her. Oh, no, 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 no. Adam didn't talk to his wife like you talked to yours. Preacher. 
<laughs> you liked that, didn't you, brother? I know that's right. Adam told God, told Eve in front of God, he said, I'll leave father and mother and cleave to you. So he kept his word. You understand? He didn't have an idea to leave her. Even for God. And God honored his vow. That's why we have a chance at redemption. Huh? The fact that Adam kept his word and kept his vow gave us a chance at redemption. Because you see what followed it. In Genesis 3.15, we see God's promise that we will be returned to our good state that he created us in to enjoy. God defies everything that comes against his word. Amen? So God promised, he says in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you, uh, between the serpent and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and it shall bruise your head and you shall bruise its heel. And so in that sentence, he promised a redeemer to come and purchase us out of the power of darkness. Now, why did we have to be purchased out? Because sin incurs debt. Ooh, ouch. Now, don't make me go there. (laughs) I don't preach debt-free, you know, not money-wise. But I preach debt-free as far as your sin is concerned. What you do with your money is between you and God. But I know one thing. You don't have to live with guilt. You don't have to live with insecurity. You don't have to live with fear. You don't have to live. And you don't need to live with debt either financially. But we're working on that, right? Always working on something. But sin incurred a debt. And that debt had to be paid. That's why we were ransomed and redeemed and a penalty, a price paid for our souls. Everything God does is legal, folks. He's not, he could have said, well, you know, I'll just take you back and, you know, let you live for me. And so, no, 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 no. He doesn't violate his own word. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So blood had to be shed to buy us back. Throughout the ages, God showed that through the the nation of Israel, through the sacrifices and the offerings that had to be made the Day of Atonement, when the sins of that whole nation would be forgiven. Boy, that that gives me goosebumps. I think, what, what would happen if we could really have that seriously here in this nation? where the nations of the sins of the whole nation could be forgiven in one day and we get started out clean every year. You understand what I'm saying? Wouldn't that be wonderful? But see, we get bashed over the head for telling the truth to people, for telling them Jesus loves them and he wants to redeem them from sin and purchase them out of the power of darkness, give them a new life. So God offers us a new life. That's how he still calls us good. He's called us good from the beginning. He never changed his word, never changed his confession about us. He defies the devil's evil, and he calls us good anyhow. You got me? And so from the foundation of the earth, he has been calling humanity good. When you heard the call of salvation, he was saying, hey, come here because you're good. Don't, you don't have to live in sin anymore. You don't have to be sick anymore. You don't have to be broke anymore. You don't have to be lonely. You're good. 
and everything about your life is good. And so he's called us back to him from the foundation of the earth. He never quit calling us. You don't get so deep in sin God doesn't call your name still. He's still calling people to repentance. And that call was ratified in the blood, first of the the animal in the garden, and then in the blood of the sinless lamb. And so God then sent man on a journey back to himself. He wants us back to him. That means he wants you in his presence. He wants you to worship him without fear and without doubt and without wondering if it's okay and if he loves you and all that he wants you and that blood watches your conscience and gives you the boldness and confidence to stand before God and know that you're accepted in the beloved of God that it's okay to be there with him it's okay to ask him it's okay to expect him to bless you it's okay because Jesus took care of all that The way to goodness is through meditating on his word. In Proverbs 4, and I read this scripture at every healing school, Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. And it's talking to those who have accepted his gift of salvation. He says, in my son, in verse 20, attend to my words. In other words, pay attention to what I tell you about you. Don't listen to what the devil's saying. Tell, listen to what I tell you. Amen? You know, parents, much of your frustration with your children would be settled if they just listened to you. Huh? <laughs> they don't want to listen from day one, so you know you've got a job on your hands, just like God does. But he says, listen to me. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. In other words, Keep your eyes on your Bible. I remember I used to call it the good old days. I still do some of it, not as diligent as I, but remember when you wanted something real bad, you wrote scriptures off, you had them on the lampshade, you had them on the mirror, you had them on the bedpost, you had them everywhere. Hmm? Everywhere you can put them without, you know, my husband wasn't saved for the first 10 years of my salvation. So I could put them in places and they make him mad. I said, oh, that's a pretty good spot for that then. <laughs> Just messing with y'all. But you know what, if you, if, you, if you love the word, if you're with God, you love the word. But if you're not in God, that word is an enemy to you. Huh? But then one day you find out they make friends with that word. Amen. Just like you did. Amen. Keep praying for them. God wants them saved too, so keep praying for them. But God starts out by calling us to his word. He said, if you listen to me, he says, you'll have life. He says, my words are life to those that find them if you hide them in your heart and health to all their flesh or medicine to all your flesh. So right now you're receiving medicine in every part of your body that needs it. It says health to your flesh, not just, you know. I tell people, I say, don't don't play games with people and talk about, well, you had a, a emotional healing or you had, nah, if I'm sick in my body, God, you know, when Jesus, people went to Jesus, he said, what can I do for you? If you have a need, he'll take care of that need first. Yes. Huh? Yes. 
Well, you had a healing in your spirit. Ain't nothing wrong with your spirit if it's born again. It's, it was healed when you got saved. Huh? Amen. Amen. But the word does minister to our souls. It renews our mind back to the good condition that God has called us into. And so when God calls you good, he means to make good on that promise. You are good. Amen. We're good because his goodness comes to us through his word and through his imputed righteousness. Man, his imputed righteousness. That righteousness comes to us because we have accepted the gift of his shed blood. In Hebrews chapter 9, you see the ministry of the high priesthood of Jesus. And then, um, you know, that book I, I, I have, I Plead the Blood, it goes into more detail on this. But it's a very, very, this will convince you. I mean, it did me. You know, it will convince you about God's price having been paid for everything. It says <clears throat> in verse 9, but into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood. Not without blood. You don't get the righteousness of God without blood. All these bloodless religions, you know, out here. You know, the Buddhists chanting and the Hindus and the Muslims and all these people. And, you know, there are so-called Christians that flock to this stuff like they got something new or something interesting. You know, they like to talk about these. You know, I hear people saying, oh, karma, karma. I said, karma who? Christians talking about this kind of nonsense. You know, they send me them little things on Facebook. Uh, oh, don't don't let bad karma. I said, honey, I don't have bad nothing. I said, I thought you were a Christian. I'm not no Buddhist. That's what the Hindus and the Buddhists believe in karma. Uh, and they stole it from God. That's the law of sowing and reaping. As a man sows, so shall he reap. All them old witches, when they talk about karma, they want something bad to happen to somebody. No, God sends goodness to us. If you sow righteousness, you receive righteousness. If you sow unrighteousness, repent, and the blood of Jesus washes that from your record. Amen? Believe all this old nonsense karma. Don't let them say, you know, they think that's a new word. I'm going to look intelligent. You look stupid. You call yourself blood-bought talking about that nonsense. Well, I'm going to yoga class. You don't need no class. You need to get in your Bible. That'll take care of everything. Well, I just feel so peaceful and calm. And mm-hmm. You need to meet the Prince of Peace. Because obviously you don't know him. Huh? Remember that song they used to sing, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus? That's all I, That's all you need. You know? Y'all just ain't got close enough to him yet if you still need a yoga class. Hillary Clinton got in trouble with that on her false servers. He said, that's just my yoga classes. I said, lady, she old as I am talking about taking yoga. I said, please, don't, don't play with me. You ain't yoga nothing. Can't even bend down on the floor talking that yoga nonsense. Anywho, it's a whole different story. (laughs) 
but sin separates us from the goodness of God. See, when you have fellowship with God, you partake of who he is, and he is good. Amen? You partake of his righteousness. Imputed righteousness, the pure kind of righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ, is really all that's missing from our lives to make our lives work right again. If you can stay under the shadow of the Almighty and walk in harmony with God, man, there's so many distractions along the road. But don't let the road pull, veer you off of your closeness to God, your harmony with God, your fellowship with God. The Bible says that Noah condemned the whole world. He passed judgment on his faith, passed this one person believing God, saying, yes, Lord. Amen. And that passes judgment on the whole world. Can you imagine that? You're the only person in the world believing God, and everybody else, one day you look up, you get in a boat, and everybody come back, everybody dead. You know, only people left. Faith will do that. Faith in God will do that, folks. Faith in God will do that. It's done it before, it will do it again. That's why people get in trouble when they take a stand on the word now. Huh? If you haven't been, you just might be. Huh? And we believe in divine protection, and I preach it and we pray it. We don't get in a lot of trouble around here. But it's trouble sometimes for people who take a stand on the word of God. Because there's so much hell and unbelief out here. Huh? People say, well, well, you know, uh, you know, it's global warming is going to take. No, that's hell. Y'all feeling hell. That's all. Because it's cool where I'm standing. I don't feel hot. I don't feel warm. Huh? You got the problem diagnosed right, but you don't understand the right answer. See, if you want hell to cool down, get saved. Quit doing what you're doing. Hmm? People see people and say, "Well, where I didn't I didn't think it was a hell." Are you kidding me? Where do you think volcanoes coming from? And earthquakes. See the earthquake. You know they say the plates move. That's the devil. Yeah, warming his hands, getting ready to feast on some more souls is what he thinks. Huh? That's all that is. Plates moving. He's just rubbing his little hands together, getting ready to. Where do you think that, that fire and that lava comes from? It comes through a volcano. I mean, hell is in the earth. Read y'all Bibles. Huh? You tell some people that. We see evidence of it all the time. Illnesses that come up and nobody, oh, we just got finished, you know, trying to do a, a, a thing against cancer. Now this is showing up. It's always something new. Amen. The devil's always up to something new. Because people have so much hell in them. Amen. But the righteous, the Bible says. God says we are good. He calls us good. What our problem is, we need to have our souls restored. Our souls have been damaged by sin. We don't think right. We don't believe right. We get fearful many times. We say things out of fear. And then God can't help us and, and help us to use our faith until we repent. So in righteousness, it comes by faith. You believe God and it's accounted to you as righteousness. 
righteousness is the the spiritual uh the spiritual facility that helps us to easily believe god sinners have a hard time believing god in their sinful state i tried to work with some people you know i used to have neighbors and i'd tell them well you know i'll pray for you so and so and and then they come to me five minutes away what well, that didn't happen what happened i said wait 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 a minute wait a minute hold it it ain't god's fault and so god had to show me he says see that's why i can't bless sinners he said they don't have the capacity to hold on to faith until i bring that blessing to them see? he said that's why i use you to pray for them he said, now pray for her and don't tell her nothing about what's going to happen because you she'll sit up here and make you mad, make you mad. You <laughs> want to say, go, leave my house. Just go home. You know what I'm saying? Oh, unbelievable. And I get out of here. I ain't doing nothing. You know, you get mad at people. So the Lord helped me with that. He said, just pray for her and, you know, you don't have to tell her a whole lot. You know, he said, and I'll help her. The day came where she had skin cancer. And so I interceded for her, and her treatments worked. Amen. But see, if I'd have got her involved, she'd be, you know what I'm saying, out there laid out, you know. So you, you have to understand these things. Righteousness is everything. God's imputed righteousness to us because of the penalty paid by his son. That is your ticket to everything that you need. And you only need faith. For that righteousness to become active in you. And when you step out of obedience with God, you confess your sin and get washed again in the blood. And then righteousness is imputed back to you again. Man could do well if it wasn't for a conscience that nags him. See, you can lie to people and tell people you don't commit no sin, you ain't done nothing wrong. But if they don't see no evidence and fruit in your life of a righteous life, it's all just all a myth. And see, we can say we okay with God and try to talk right and say all the right things around the saints. But then behind closed doors, we don't feel nothing's going to work for us. Huh? Because of this. Huh? The Bible says that our consciences have been purged from dead works by the blood of Jesus. Huh? I remember an old story, you know, some of the uh, ministers used to tell back in the day. I used to listen to a lot of Brother Hagan and some of the uh, ministers coming out of that area, Oklahoma, Texas. And, and they said, yeah, we, we had a brother uh, come to our church. And he said, I believe in purgatory. You know, that's a old Catholic doctrine. There's a, another place to go besides. He said, yeah, I believe in purgatory because every time I hit the altar, my sins get purged. By the, <laughs> he said, I go there all the time, getting my sins purged. Amen. And so once you know it's been purged, not even a trace left. Huh? totally cleansed out huh? <laughs> i was a, a nurse and and i remember you know you come in on on second shift and see the orders for the pre-surgical patients and we would get an order that said purging enema and everybody want to pass you pass that one to the next person you didn't want to do that one because you might have to get four or five but they said until the water is clear 
nothing left. Because if they go into surgery with anything and they cut through that bowel, all that infection could get. So you had to purge. And I think about that every time I think about the activity of the blood of Jesus on our sins. Till the water's clean. There's not even a trace. There's nothing left. It's been purged, washed clean, not even a trace of sin. If we could live in a constant revelation of not even a trace of sin, we'd be on fire. Huh? That's why the devil's always setting up little situations for us. Huh? A little some of this, a little some of that. You know, you get mad at somebody and you can't shake it out your head and then you start feeling like a nothing and a nobody. Huh? He loves that stuff. It's a good thing to go to God daily. Huh? Give me my daily bread. And I, I tell you, Lord, I don't want anything to stand between me and you. I forgive brother so-and-so. I forgive sister so-and-so. And I ask you to forgive me for disliking them still. I've been trying to like them for years, and I still can't get, get, get with it. But I'm working on it. Uh, we're always working on it. And then, that, then you're righteous. You can go to God, and you can ask anything in my name, he says. And I will do it for you. Anything. (laughs) We are blameless, pure, spotless. Nothing laid to our charge. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if you are born again, you are in Christ. Stay in him. Don't jump out and start acting crazy. Huh? Huh? If you jump out in that crazy, repent and jump back in again. Huh? Everybody want a time out. You don't get no time out in this kingdom. Huh? You done had your time out. You get on your knees and get right back in there again. Get to work. Huh? Get to helping somebody. Get to praying for somebody. Huh? Well, I just don't know. I need somebody to pray for for me. You pray for yourself and then go pray for somebody. Huh? God told us long ago, you know, all the women, you know, their moms and got responsibilities and didn't want to leave the kids too long and all this stuff. God said, if you take care of my business, I'll take care of yours. Huh? Go home, kids, just as normal. They cut up less when you ain't around sometimes. Find that out. God's a pretty good babysitter after all. Huh? (laughs) Huh? So God wants us well, amen, because we're good. See, we're good, and goodness follows those who are good, amen. Psalm 23 says, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life, all the days, no interruption, no interruption for anything, all the days of your life. Turn to John chapter 5, we're going to talk about this man that's, God calls good. He called himself lame for 38 years. In John 5, starting verse 2. Now there's at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Bethesda actually means house of mercy, which they didn't get much. Listen, if you're waiting on religious people to help you, you know. Them the most unmerciful people. Huh? Paul called them whited walls. 
Huh? Open graves full of dead men's bones. And in other words, you hang around long enough, you'll fall into an open grave messing around with religious people. Now, we all know places like that. We ran away from them places looking for God, didn't we? Amen. So you know what I'm talking about. Some of the meanest people in the world. If you come a new person, come to church, and you feel all these eyeballs watching you and following you around, waiting for you to do something wrong. Huh? So that's the way it was in Jesus' day. But that didn't stop him from helping people. It didn't stop him from healing people. So here this man, he's laying in this pool, and it was the habit of people. And this is what religious people do, too. They'll get you in a group. Ooh, get ready. I'm telling you, God's going to do something. Ooh, was you here last week? God really done something. And you think to yourself, no, wait a minute. Now, I've been here all the time, and I ain't seen nothing yet. Last week, we get ready, he going to do something. This week, you should have been here, he done done something. Where was I? See, people make you think you're losing your mind, you're in the twilight zone, or you would go home checking your food and your purse, thinking somebody put something in there, because you'd have missed the whole service where God really towed a place up. They said, you missed it all. Don't mess around with religious people. Huh? You'd be as crazy as they are. So in, in John 5, said there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent people, blind, halt, withered. So there's all kind of sick people here waiting for the moving of the water and then in one translation it says legend has it legend has it that an angel went down at a certain season and see if y'all had been here you'd have got it that angel came down here troubled the waters whoever's the first one in got healed oh because god don't heal but one person every 38 years There's nothing scriptural about what they're believing. Did you hear me? Nothing scriptural about what they're believing. You got to make sure that your faith is in God's word and what lines up with his scripture. Huh? So Jesus puts this lie to rest once and for all. Now, he don't just say it's a lie. Because, see, he'll have all the religious people arguing with him. He just demonstrates truth. And that's what y'all going to do. Everywhere you go, everywhere God sends you, you're going to go demonstrate. Don't argue with nobody. Just say, God, you show them. God, you show them. God, I'm your servant. I'm here. Use me. You show them what the truth is. I'm not going to argue with anybody. And that's what Jesus did. He would do a miracle right in front of the Pharisees' face just to show them, huh? And they'd be sitting there clutching their purses, you know, their pearls. Oh, God. Oh. Well, that man was blind and he hocked a loogie. I say it like that. But. 
They made some mud. Amen. That man came out sin. They were most shocked. They were more shocked about how he did it than what he did. See, I bet you, you go to a religious place and they'll tell you, remember when Benny Hinn, he had the poor man, he had to stop blessing people by waving his coat over them because they talked about him so bad. Nothing about all the people that got healed that gave testimony. They didn't like him waving his coat on people. Go figure. So he says, that, he says, the angel would trouble the water, and whosoever first stepped in after troubling of the water was made whole of whatever disease he had. A certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. I see, that'll scare most preachers that think they got a little something from even, you know. The best thing to do, this is just an aside. If you're going to pray for someone, don't ask them nothing. Because you'll be sitting there shaking it. Is that long? Huh? Just don't ask them. Don't ask, don't tell. Remember that? Yeah. So anyway, so he says, it says a certain man was there. When Jesus saw him lying, knew he had been, he knew he'd been there a long time. It didn't faze him. Faith, real faith in God is not diminished by how long somebody, how sick they look. How much weight they lost since they had cancer. How many days the doctors gave. I almost said the devil. Same thing sometimes. There's so many days they give them to live. And how long they say, oh, he's not phased. Faith is not phased. The anointing is not phased. Length of time means nothing. Length of time really means something to people who are afflicted sometimes. They get comfortable. And they, they lose faith, active faith. But I believe Jesus went around activating faith that had been dormant for a long time. He would have to have if he healed these people. And so Jesus finds this man. He knows he's been there a long time. I've heard some ministers minister that God will bring somebody out as a demonstration case when he wants to prove and diminish unbelief in a crowd. See, you'll have a lot of people, sometimes it's the one who's the most crippled, the most afflicted that God will single out, sometimes for a minister to minister to. And and he'll tell me, he said, that's your first healing for the night. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's to get rid of unbelief in the rest of the people their faith rises when they see god he knew he'd been there a long time and it didn't bother him he says when jesus saw him lie and knew he'd been there a long time he said will you be made whole in other words do you want me to fix what's wrong with you you want to be fixed Now, it'll amaze you, sometimes people come to a healing meeting and don't even ask for prayer. They have an obvious need for healing and will say, well, I want you to pray for my finances. And you're stuck. Because they're not, and you'll say, don't you want to be healed? Oh, no, that's, that's okay. So we don't want to strive with people. You have to pray for what they 
because whatever they express is what they have faith for. You can't get something you don't want. Not from God. He said, what things soever you desire. Desire opens the door in your heart for that thing to reside in your life. You can't have something you don't want. You got me? So if you desire it, and you might as well be honest with God. Huh? Don't sit up there and say, uh, well, I want that uh, I want that little Chevy, and you're six foot six, and you know you need a big car. Just go on and ask for that Lincoln and get it over. You know, go on and ask for that Cadillac and get it over. Go, go on and ask for that Escalade and get it over. And don't be shocked. You know, make your payments like you're supposed to. But you don't know what God would give you if you get honest and ask for what your heart desires. Huh? You know them commercials come on, your eyeballs be looking at all them. Them, them uh, what, what, what was them rims? 15s or something like that, or 20s. Yeah, you want the 20s and all. You know what y'all want, so go and ask for it. Because, see, you, you'll, you'll buy three things you don't want denying what you really do want. And you won't be satisfied, you won't be happy, you won't take care of it. Same thing with, with relationships. Huh? You know you like the Magic Mike Triple XL type dude, so you might as well go and get your membership in the spa and get on up there so you can. Huh? Huh? You ask for a, you ask for a six pack and get a keg. Don't go doing that. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Huh? Don't deceive yourself. Huh? Don't call the dog if you want the cat. No doubt this man had faith to be healed at one time because he was still sitting there. So he had faith many, probably when he prayed many years ago. You know that faith is still in him somewhere? It's the same thing with all of us. We've got faith inside of us for promises we prayed a long time ago. And that faith is still there. It's just waiting for Jesus to come and make it come alive again. Huh? Look at Elizabeth and Zacharias. That man is elderly. And he's in the, the, the temple ministry. He's a high priest that year. His name got pulled. <laughs> That's God too. Huh? The fall of the lot belongs to the Lord. He pluck your name up whenever he feels like it. And God says, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. He said, huh? Probably hear, barely hear himself. Eh? And God said, yeah, you're going to have a baby. Huh? You mean that prayer? I thought that was over with. Oh, no, 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 no. Huh? It ain't over until God delivers it to you. Are you kidding me? Huh? That's why faith people tell you to pray and leave it and go on about your business. And if it comes to your mind again, thank God for bringing it to you. And that's You understand what I'm saying? It's still on the way. So he goes up to this guy and he says, will you be made whole? Now, this is what religion does. Excuses. Mm -hmm. Sir, I have no man. 
When the water's troubled, Jesus said, I'm your troubled water. Huh? He's believing a lie. He's believing for something that's not going to happen and probably never did happen. I believe in Pharisees told that lie about troubling us. Yeah, y'all just come here. While you're here, we'll take up an offering for your space right here on the porch. You want to be in the front of the porch or the back? The front of the porch is $10. The back of the porch is $3. If there's no money in it, the religious don't care to be involved. See what I'm saying? So Jesus comes up here for free. All he got to do is say yes. <laughs> you know it's hard to get people in need to say yes sometimes. <laughs> no, you got a need. It's obvious. We all know what you need. And you keep making excuses and skirting around. Oh, sir, I have no man. When the water's trouble, Jesus said, what do I look like to you, a woman? Oh, man. See, this excuse was so well rehearsed. That the thing that he thought he was waiting for, when it came, he didn't recognize it. I'm going to say it again. Your excuses hinder your faith in such a way that when your answer comes, you don't believe that's your answer. He said, yeah, you know, by the time I get up and start coming, somebody else comes. And Jesus said, now, you know you lying. You ain't never seen no angel trouble, no water. Ain't nobody tried to get you down there. That didn't happen. He does not want to be disturbed. See, extended sickness can get your mind into a spot where it's accepted it and does not want to be disturbed. He said, listen. I got my limited, I, I sit at mat number three. I've been here so long, they don't even charge me no more for mine. I got my lemonade right here. I got my boom box over here with my regular stuff on there. I got some, I got some gospel on there too, you know, just so, so we know. And so I'm comfortable. Well, Jesus comes to disturb your comfort. He comes to elevate your expectation. Not just walk, but be made whole. When you're whole, you accept your healing in your mind. Your mind gets healed, and you start envisioning yourself doing things you haven't done in 38 years. That's what Jesus is bringing to this man. He's bringing his life back to him. He's bringing everything back to him. With blind Bartimaeus, it was the same thing. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus brought, healed his blindness. He said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want to receive my sight. See, that's what you have to do. You have to be specific with God. Don't call the dog if you want the cat. Don't be ashamed of wanting something from God. Tell him what you want specifically, and he will give it to you. You think he cares how long it's been. You think he cares what it costs. You think he cares any of that stuff. He just wants us to be Holy Ghost honest with him. Ask for what he wants, and he will deliver it to you without fail. Amen. He's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't ask us so that we can get disappointed. That's not what he's up to. He wants to fulfill his goodness in us. The goodness in you wants something good. 
The spirit of God in you wants something good. He always wants something good for his people. Bartimaeus, when he cried out and people told him to shut up, he cried all the more louder. How many times do you think he shut up when people told me, said, no, this is the real deal today. I'm not shutting up. I'm going to holler until this man stops and gives me what I asked for because I believe he's good and he wants to bless me. That's all you have to believe about the Lord. Believe the truth about God. He's good and he wants to bless you. Bartimaeus had everything restored. He threw off that beggar's robe and cried all the more and Jesus stopped and gave him what he wanted. See, sometimes crying all the more means going to a healing meeting or going to another place where God tells you to go. It means stepping out of your comfort zone, stepping out of a place that's familiar to you, stepping into that zone. And you're crying all the more to God for what you need. Praise God. Why don't we pray? I know you're all ready and I'm ready and God's ready. He wants to bless you with the anointing. Now, we're going to pray for people who uh, need to be healed in their bodies. And that's not just spiritually, but that's physically as well. You could take that to its natural extension in the physical realm. And God has not given you the spirit of fear. You have power. You love God. He loves you in a sound mind. He's not going to let you fall. Ever. He's not going to do it. His word says he will not. He keeps you from falling. You're not going to fall. I don't care how unsteady you get. I had to take medicine and they, people say, give you dizziness. I just get up and walk. I said, dizzy, you don't have to catch me to get me. You understand what I'm saying? We have to fight these things, not accept them. So, and I'm going to pray for you again because some of you have had accidents and these traumatic experiences that, that lodge in your soul. We're going to get that out of you today in Jesus' name. Amen. And that fear of falling is going to leave you. Amen. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. All right, baby. I'm going to pray for you again. Nothing missing.